Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're talking about the Oolong Slayer. You got it. You said the episode <laughs> name right. Third time's a charm. Although I had it on the first try and not on the second. For for explanation, uh, loyal viewers, this is our third attempt to record the first five minutes of this episode. We've done not a great job at we've had We've had technical failures and we've had... Uh, problematical cultural references and now we're here in the present day. hooray problematical cultural references and technical failures no <laughs> it was a sarcastic hooray hey so carl what happened in the oolong slayer okay i mean do we want to so, do pitter patter this is one of those weird moments where no <laughs> fuck the pitters and the patters and the police um in this episode in order to satisfy one of the worst bets in brooklyn 99 history <laughs> the vulture prevents uh, any wieners from solving any crimes except for misdemeanors but jake decides fuck that and goes after a serial killer called the oolong slayer why is he so titled carl because he kills people and then puts tea bags in their mouth and also we should be lucky they're called the oolong slayer and also uh he sets up the doll tea party sets yeah although i don't know my image of the classic Dolls Tea Party doesn't involve oolong tea. I don't think that's racist. I think it's not racist because normally it's on little saucers with, like, cream and shit. Yeah, and oolong isn't traditionally served that way. Also, uh, isn't yeah. it usually fake tea? Like, when it's Dolls? Yeah, it's usually an empty pot. Yeah, it's air. <laughs> anyway, uh, the oolong slayer is some dude who Chief of Detectives Garmin tried to put away years ago and failed! So uh, Jake decides to try to solve it anyway, despite uh, everyone protesting, and goes to get the help of uh, our number one serial killer catcher man, Raymond Holt. Raymond J. Holt, I think, if I remember correctly. Indeed. Holt sneaks around behind Wunch's back to try to solve the case, gets caught. Surprisingly not because of Gina taking selfies. Yeah, I was during actually... During their covert operation. I was really concerned about that. I thought that would come back. I was wrong. Yeah, me too. They actually have get caught because uh, they try to arrest a dead man. Oh, dear. And then uh, Jake finds the actual guy, almost gets his face shot off, but Holt shows up at the last minute to save him. In return, Jake saves Holt, holds back the 9-9. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, I'm just going to say that the B-plot is Rose and Amy are tasked with planning the Vulture's birthday party because they're women, and because the Vulture wants to score with his brother's widow. Ugh. And they fucking destroy him by letting him do the things he the thing he wants to do. Play in a band with his breakaway pants. <laughs> Which only halfway break away. Yeah. In the C plot, a fat suit. <laughs> the end. Yeah, I uh I wanna start with the C plot. Let's get to the problems. Yes, because... Let's, let's dig our hands right in that mess. Well, before... Actually, before we dig our hands into that mess, I want to say, big picture, I really fucking love this episode. Oh, this is the best episode this year, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Like, in the year of 2015, this is probably our best yeah, episode. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. It's... Like, it is so funny, and they never trade away advancing the plot, like... This is fucking hilarious. This is next level shit. Yes. And and I want to get into all the things, especially about the A plot, that really kill it. And and a lot of the things that I I found myself 
noting were things that you and I have talked about repeatedly in the past about like either wanting to see more of or generally enjoying in the show. Yeah. However, the show also went back to some of its worst habits. One of the deep, dark wells of Schurenger Productions. I I will say I never saw as much of this, the fat shamey stuff in parks. But this is, this is, it feels like it's an annual thing for them to come back to. Wait, wait, really? The show with Jernbergard Gingrich? Oh, yeah. You're right. They're going. They're going to have a universally reviled fat person in every one of their shows until they die. Scully. I mean, that's Scully and Hitchcock's. That's all they do. And a lot of times, like their the, the their defining character element is not their size; it's their general idiocy. But but it's but like their their the fact that their bodies are horrific is equally defining. Yeah, I will say, and I remembered after watching this episode the line from last episode, which is "Can stand to watch you eat." So, so I, I'm going to say something and it's actually, it's, it's, it's a controversial statement in that I don't think the plot line was intended to be as fat shamey as it comes off the C plot here. Yes. I, I also will say that this episode was written by Gabe Liedman, who also wrote Chocolate Milk. I noticed that a lot of times with with Leadman's writing, we we like a huge portion of it, and then there's always that that dude has a fascination with black male bodies in a way that you and I find very problematic. Yeah, hearing that this is by the same guy who wrote Chocolate Milk really puts this in context because that episode yes, and was this episode has like Terry. how. Charles responds to Terry and his like physical form is really similar to how Jake often responds to Terry in chocolate milk about like, you know, Dr. Penis off and like, I don't know, just like the, the over concern with Terry's physicality now. Yeah. So I, I will say that we've, we're establishing this, this season that, for some reason, Boyle thinks Terry is too muscular, which, whatever. I mean, that can be funny, I guess, although it's really not his fucking business. Yeah, also, also, remember in first season when he was like, the Ebony Falcon, his muscles have muscles, and Boyle was admiring of that? Yeah. I don't know what happened. Mm-mm. Hell, we've seen Boyle working out. He does squats with detergent. What? Oh, yes, but... He's doing, like, bodyweight exercises. Sure, sure. Detergent doesn't sure, count. Sure. sure, sure. Although I will say, water is eight pounds for every gallon. That's some serious weight. But metal... I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Liquids generally know. aren't as dense as solids. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I'm giving Boyle some room to brag here. Yeah, he might have been doing squats with, like, five pounds. Good for him. But, yes... So I think that this plotline's message, when you actually think about it, is Terry has a shape he wants to be in. That's true, right? It's it's clear that Terry wants his body to be a certain way and not a certain other way. That's been a useful fact about Terry for them, and one that is kind of healthy. It's not fat-shaming to have a character who wants to be in good shape as they define it. Because they used to not be in the shape they wanted to be. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And having that character slide back into old bad habits and balloon up in size is not necessarily fat phobic given Terry's history as a compulsive eater. Right, exactly. The uh I I was thinking about how you're right, exactly what you were saying. That that Terry has said in the past that he played football so he knows what an athletic body looks like. He knows how to be an athletic body. Uh he's he's very aware of his physical self at all times. And I mean, he's like this is a tight 240, I believe is what he says at one point. Uh, yeah. Like he he knows his statistics and he knows where what his like margin of error is, um, and you know the the even he's aware that like he ha- he can have problematic eating habits. Like we saw that in um, the episode where he and Amy and Gina go on that weird crazy diet. Yeah. Uh, that said, though, like I, I that the the main idea of the plotline, which is that. Harry was exhibiting um, a stress response uh, to, like, an extreme number of stressors in his life, and Boyle was trying to intervene to prevent Terry from causing harm to himself. Except that the way that Boyle did it was fat-shaming and gross and is not at all credible from Boyle because Boyle has been like, your body shape is ridiculous. Yes, exactly. I, I think I think what threw me is that Boyle goes, "You're looking a little fat," and I was like, "Okay, fat is not a negative adjective." That said, given that the larger social consciousness thinks that fat is a negative adjective, I'm really surprised. And given that Terry has this long-standing sort of personal, his own demons. personal demons, he's got personal demons. Yeah, he's got his own personal demons with food. I was really surprised that Boyle wasn't a little more tactful, you know? Boyle's not a smart or good man. In this episode, even is, though... Is the, is the plot of this episode. Yeah, and that's really troubling. I will say that the description of uh, of Terry as looking like eight circles wearing suspenders is hilarious. I don't know what it means. I think it's pecs... Oh, jeez. Oh, it's, it's biceps... Deltoids, hips, and abs wearing in his head. <laughs> but there's more than there's more than six shapes in an abs for Terry. Also, he's got a head. I think it's just his torso. And some lines. I know. I know. I know. I know. So like, yeah, Boyle There there was Boyle Boyle found the right answer, mm-hmm. but like I think for me, the fact that, like, the final line of this episode was, will you lay off my body, man? I clearly have some stuff to work through. Was interestingly nuanced for an episode that put this man in a fat suit. Yes. Yes. And I kind of wish that that it felt like Terry's voice was the show's voice and not Boyle's voice. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is this is one of those things where it's like I I really care about fat phobia. It's something that I you know it's a bit it's how I came to find and and understand and embrace intersectional feminism is through uh, fatspo and and body acceptance and health at every size those movements. I'm just really uncertain about how much I can forgive 
Like, how much? How can I sell this show to my 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 people in that in those communities when garbage like this keeps happening? It's really frustrating. And the thing also about it is, is that this episode was pretty okay. Yeah. The third episode of the show was about a man who who everyone thought had been killed by being so fat that he died. Mm-hmm. This show has a history. These creators have an even worse history. And we shouldn't give them any leeway on this shit. Because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they can cry into all their money. Yeah. Well, not even <laughs> just that they've been successful. But that they've been on the success... They've been successful on the back of years of fat jokes. Which are so lazy. Like, I, I appreciated that at least in in Emmy time. I think that was episode three or four, like you said, like of the first season. At least in Emmy time, they did a nice, if quiet, subversion that he didn't die because of health-related diseases to his size. He died because his wife was fucking poisoning him. And that the lead detective, well, the person who decided they were lead detective, despite being told they were not the lead detective didn't bother doing their due diligence because they made an assumption based on context clues. And that is some degree of of subversion. But when you put a hundred fat jokes in an episode, can you have your cake and eat it too? Well, we, we talked extensively about that episode and audience, if you haven't, you should actually go give Emmy time a listen. Um, And I remember in our conversation about that, that uh, Jake's voice in which he's making all these like easy low hanging fruit fat jokes is consistently uh, sort of centered as not the voice of the show. Rosa is he's he's the bad guy. Yeah, Jake is being a piece of shit, and the show is very open about open like, the episode itself and the sort of show's perspective makes that clear. The problem is, and things when things like when Rosa is like I'm a very sweet person, and then shoves Hitchcock out of the way, calling him chunk. The problem is when uh, when Boyle is sort of positioned as the as the voice of the narrative art uh, narrative center of that plot line, and he's like, mm, "You're looking kind of tubby," or or you're looking kind of fat. Yeah, or your body's a weird shape, and we don't like it. There's a difference between that know. and Jake's like vaguely childlike admiration of Terry with all his muscles that we saw in the Ebony Falcon and that we've seen periodically throughout the show. Let's let's not give this plotline any more time. Yeah, though. I'm kind of I'm already sick of listening to myself talk about it. <laughs> it's been like 15 minutes. I know, I know. Uh, so I Rosa and Amy's plotline. I think I do. I actually do agree that they're the B plot, even though I think they actually get less screen time. Probably, but like that other shit was garbage and will be irrelevant next week. Also, the vulture is in that plot line. So I feel yeah. like it f- sort of is forced to be the B plot, even if it doesn't get that much time. It's the kind of last hurrah. Yeah. I, I really liked this. I liked that Amy came up with the solution. Yeah, it was great. And it like her horrifying need to be a crony for whoever's in the captain's seat was the reason she got this off. Yeah. Yeah. Like she 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 uh she showed some like uh and that solution required some like good psychology on her part. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that the Joker would play into their sorry, knowing <laughs> that the vulture would play into their hands. I think you should keep that. 
Sure, whatever. <laughs> um, yes, I also, I also appreciated Rose's use of silence in this episode. Elaborate. When when you she said after ten seconds of silence, <laughs> when she's like, "I was thinking, I don't know, meet up at a bar, get drinks," and he's like, "That's it." And I was, that was good. <laughs> so good. I I I know we often talk about Andre Brower as Captain Holt really using silence as well and like pauses, um, <laughs> but Stephanie Beatrice is clearly like learning from her daily masterclass because that was. Fucking amazing! It was, it was really great. They 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 made a really good team, and like, I don't know. I feel like this this episode was saying we're gonna see more of these two together. Which don't don't you friggin' tease me. I okay. One, I definitely hope so because I don't think they've had a good buddy episode since. I mean, before this one, I don't think they had one for a long, long time. Because especially in season two, Gina and Amy got paired up a lot. Yeah. And I, I actually think I prefer Gina and Jake and Amy and Rosa as opposed to Jake, Rosa, Gina, Amy. Oh, yeah. Me too. I I also know. Okay. I'm actually kind of excited about this. So I'm just going to I'm going to tell you. Um, so spoiler alert for anyone who's like spoiler free. Just kind of skip past this for a bit. Um, one of the upcoming episode descriptions includes a, a plot line that I have been angling for, or at least it sounds like it's the plot line that I've been angling for, which is uh, Jake and Amy work a case together now that they're in a relationship together. Um, it's not 100% of the plot line I want. The 100% of the plot line I want is that Amy explicitly gets told that she's in charge. But this, this today's episode's B-plot could have been like a precursor to that type of plot line happening. How? Well, you know, she's she gets the solve. She's the one who's like, I know that Rose is like, yes, this is so great. And Amy's like, no, I'm going to actually like take my job seriously <laughs> in spite of herself. E- even though we have uh, valid grounds for uh, workplace discrimination. Yeah. Why doesn't anyone get fired in this world? People get fired in the real world. Not, not from the cops, though. Uh, that's true, but like... <laughs> <laughs> they could at least try to bury the problem. Which they really is the only c- thing they ever do. They could give the vulture some paid vacation. This is... <laughs> Too real? That's his birthday gift! Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, it, it, especially because, like, the the second episode of the show was about them taping the vulture saying, uh, break up or I fire you to get... Yep. Like, way to, way to like, just zigzag back and forth across the line, guys. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well. Why does no one get fired? Probably because the vulture is, I don't know, mission critical? Question, 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 question? He uh, doesn't really contribute very much. Bet Major Crimes is doing fine without him. The 9-9's <laughs> close rate on cases that mattered went way down when he showed up. Well, only because they refused. he refused to let them actually work those cases. Right? That is a pretty bad reason for them to not be out trying to solve murders (laughs) he said that to a room full of 30 cops (laughs) oh no i'm like i'm laughing because otherwise i'm gonna cry oh Mm. god 
Anyway. Um, B-plot was awesome. I always yeah, I forgot how much worst I Worst breakaway it. pants in the industry. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love... I fucking love this plot. I And I loved Rosa saying, uh, I'm going to come to you if I need to hurt somebody, and Amy taking the compliment for what it was. She Her her face friggin' melted. I know. I My heart friggin' melted a little bit. I, I saw that gift set before I saw the scene, and I was already like, oh no, I'm going to be ruined. This is going to ruin me. And I yep. was right. What a great pair. I do. I agree with you. I hope we see a return to form with them working together I, more. I, I also loved Rosa, like, telling Amy, like... We, we just have to leave. We got to go. We can't think about the widow thing. <laughs> I love she's, really Amy. Taking ta- she's really taking care of Amy there. Amy, Amy's, Amy's face. When he's like, you only get one shot at your brother's widow. And she's like, uh. <laughs> Her like, uh. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> There's nothing like, for us here. <laughs> Rosa just being like, nope. I'm done. We're done. Let's leave. Bye. Oh God, that's the that's the like that's like hearing that, that's like when when it turns to two o'clock in the morning, man. You're like, ah, oh, nah, that's the sign. We got to get out. <laughs> a plot. Let's talk about the a, a plot. plot. Yeah. A plot. Uh, a plot. <laughs> nope. No, that's an owl. Oh wait, no, I did the trill. Oh, I guess it was a pigeon. It was intended to be. Oh, I get it. It's the stupid bathroom signal. (laughs) God damn it, Carl. I thought you were just being a pigeon. (laughs) That's my gimmick. Gimmick infringement. Oh, God. (laughs) You should have never been broken in this business. Maybe I'll just move to halfway functional breakaway pants instead. You should have never been broken in this business. Your gimmicked pants. If you so, can't tell, I'm making uh, I'm making wrestling references. Oh, I, I you know what? This is kind of nice. Now that you have your own set of references that I don't understand, we can just make them at each other and be confused at one another. Cool. So the a plot was pretty amazing. Yes, it was. Had everything an a plot needs to have. The main character. Gratuitous violence. <laughs> Did it though? Yes. There was? Where was the good There was a fight scene. You're right. Hi, how did I forget there about that? There were fisticuffs. How did I forget about that? that was Your a- OTP punched each other in the face on live television. What do you want? <laughs> when it wasn't Brooklyn live. Brooklyn Night is not live. <laughs> it's not even taped in front of a studio audience, Carl. Thank God. I know. <laughs> I forgot about that fight, obviously. How? I don't know. Fucking... Andy Samberg got punched in his beautiful face. I <laughs> I think it's because there were so many gifts given to us, the audience, in this episode. I just, I had a surfeit. Is that a surfeit of gifts? Surfeit. Yeah. Is that? I don't know. I've never actually heard it pronounced. Well, there's a surplus of gifts in this episode. There's a plethora of gifts. <laughs> All those words. We're, we're replete with gifts. <laughs> And 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 if I had my dudgeon, we'd open all of them. <laughs> uh, let let's do so. We've got plenty of time in this podcast. Yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier, but I was really surprised that Gina's selfie, which I immediately assumed she would post all over the social medias, didn't like 
get them in trouble. Get them caught. Yeah, sooner. Yeah, as soon as she did that, I was like, oh, this is how they go down. Yeah. Why, yeah. why Holt, Holt, you posed for this. He is really easily led along when he has nothing good in his life. I, yeah. I, I just really liked how Jake is played this entire episode. Everything from, like, his, like, increasingly overt frustration with the vulture from the beginning all the way to his careful negotiation well not careful but his negotiated conversation with uh garmin chief of yeah chief garmin like, he it was very well planned yes more than careful and and for and for a person who's not exactly known for planning and is rather dating the person who's known for planning is Amy known for planning? Uh, doesn't her backup... Amy's known for binders. Those usually contain plans, don't they? Those usually contain organizational spreadsheets. Which is a, a good surrogate for a plan. Actually, now that you mention it, is she known for planning? I always assume she was known for planning. I don't think so. I mean, she's known for, like, planning events or something. But, like, she's not the one who comes up with a decisive action plan. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's not that important. The point here is that Jake is also not exactly known for thinking ahead. Yeah. And normally the conversations he plans out ahead of time go really wrong and aren't effective. <laughs> uh, Jake, is, Jake is, I have a brilliant idea in the moment, which we saw in this episode. But Jake is not exactly Mr. Oh, let me walk into the situation fully in control of the conversation. And knowing what each turn in the conversation yes. would be. It's interesting, like, I honestly, I think I said in a previous episode that I doubted they would make particularly good use of Garmin after establishing that, but I was super wrong. Like, they're putting the screws to me. <laughs> I know, and the other thing that I was really surprised by was that they straight up told us that there was a five-month time jump. Yeah, uh, I'm Mr. Wrong on this podcast. I, I am, I'm super wrong about everything. <laughs> well... That was, a, that, like, when I was watching that episode, I laughed so hard I stopped it and had to explain to my wife how you had schooled me <laughs> and how happy you were going to be about it. It's a great, it's a great fucking moment. I was, I was, I saw that happen and my first thought was, Carl is going to eat it. I was I'm not. I, I refuse to feel bad about anything. No, no, done. but I was I was so ready to come onto this podcast and just, like, fucking rub it in your face. But now you're so, like, nice and thoughtful about it. What am I going to do? You better change your strategy. <laughs> just, like... That's an, that's an Attitude Era podcast oh. reference. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, I kind of figured, question mark. Um, the, uh, but the other thing that you and I had gotten correct was that we 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 had said oh god weeks ago that we guessed that Holt would be back in the nine nine and back in like power before Halloween yeah and what do you know next week's episode is Halloween three <laughs> so we we're you and I are batting a batting a thousand at least yeah I mean they had to bring him back pretty soon because like they had plenty of vulture stories but I doubt they had enough PR stories. Especially with Wunch walking back anything Holt might accomplish. Like, it's implied that Holt's getting in trouble for his, like, subway poster mm -hmm. campaign. Which, if this is how they're going to treat it, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Uh, I want him away from uh, away from Wunch. And I want her fired. 
I I'm still waiting for their kiss to come back. So you're waiting for wait. You're so you're waiting for another kiss, or you're waiting for him to file sexual harassment? I'm, I'm waiting for consequences. Yeah, I just don't trust them. With with that, no. With a lot of things, yes. Yeah. With that, no. I I don't trust like like I said yesterday to their benefit. The bar for having a job is just too low in this world. And, like, I'm all for a post-scarcity, post-capitalism utopia. But not for rewarding complete and utter incompetence and active maliciousness with career advancement. Which is the story of Wunch's life. And... Not a good cop, not a good boss, not a good person. Arguably the same for the Vulture. In fact, seeing Wunch and the Vulture... Inarguably the same for the Vulture. Seeing Wunch and the Vulture on the other side of the table from Holt and Jake was, like, kind of a revelation. They were practically finishing each other's sentences. Or at least, like, being in complete agreement on almost everything. Like, yeah, there's, uh... There's no coming back from that. There's no no coming back from, like... They don't... I I don't think they want to make one sympathetic. But, like, when you kind of reveal to the fans that she's basically the same as Mr. Pukashell Nipslip, (laughs) you gotta either, like, figure that out or... Stop shoving her down. Yeah, throats, that, I think that character kind of needs to, like you said, she needs to be be fired. Well, yes, I, that's the ideal case. At minimum, she needs to be walked back because I think they need to really. I don't. I I, I think they burned all the bridges behind them. Uh, sorry, I'll I'll rephrase what I'm what I mean is what I mean is I agree with you. We need a break from her. I also think the creative team needs to reevaluate what they want to do with her because right now she's she's turning into. The lizard witch that Holt calls her, in that she's turning into a cartoon I mean, villain. I'm not saying like he's wrong. He right. I'm saying the way Holt talks about Wunch is as like a cartoon villain. You know, who's guarding Hades? Yeah, but the thing is, she's not that. Because that would be fun. Like the thing about the thing. One of the things that's fun about the Vulture is that his ability to fuck things up for the nine nine is actually supernatural. He can tell when they're about to solve a major case and he just shows up and takes it from them. That's a superpower. She doesn't have a superpower. She has the banality of evil. And that's worse. It's way worse. It's so much worse. It's way, way worse. Like, it's actually people like Wunsch who make police departments so terrible. Because there's a culture of... There's a culture of abuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not people like the vulture. The vulture just wants credit for solving crimes he didn't solve and nip slips. I mean, it's actually also the vulture because he should be fired too. I take it back. It's the vulture thought, too, and it's not fully formed. So, kind of bear with me. Yo, <laughs> the story of this podcast. The story of this origin of the podcast. <laughs> Where I got my little domino mask. <laughs> you have failed this city. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I feel a lot of things, but not the city. Okay. Um, my my half-formed thought was that I was thinking about how Holt's best, not even defense, but like Holt's best um, strategy against Wunsch is Jake. Every time Holt has managed to pull one over or managed to circumvent Wunsch, hasn't it been because of Jake? Generally, like, 
So the actual advantage I think that Holt has over Wunch the loyalty is to that, squad? yeah, love is more powerful than fear. In the language of this show, like getting people to love you is going to make you more powerful and safer. That's not limited to the show. To That's a creative team thing. I mean, their their whole thing is found families and stuff. That's that's the natural progression of that. Yeah. We we've said before that the the thing the show keeps emphasizing is that the squad is better together than apart. I I don't know. I guess it's just interesting to me that yes, I get why Wunch's entire like hatred or whatever is centered on Holt. It's interesting to me because coming from like superhero comic book fandom, the villain eventually swizes up and starts going after the people that person loves. And she's done that before. Well, she threatened to but, do that like, before. Yeah, and that was enforcing his Holt, hand. Sure, but, like the the thing about Holt is that even when he's not around, the people that he's nurtured still want to pay him back. Like, they want him back. Yeah. So they'll make it happen. And he wants them strong, yeah. so he left in the first place. Right? Like, the 9-9 being strong... I mean, Jake Lone Wolf to Die Hard style. But, like, it's because of Holt mentoring him. It's because of the amount he cares about the 9-9 as a unit working. Like, this was... That's why he's able to make a selfless action like this. Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk about that? I would actually like to talk about things in this episode that were good instead of things that were bad. Sorry, yes. Let's talk about... Wh- wh- okay, uh, yeah. Carl, you're the you're the expert on storylines and stuff like that. And, and, and... Am I? Relative to me, between us, yes. You are the ex- you're the expert on why plot lines work. Why does this plot line work so well? Oh. Well, it's got a lot of things going for it. I mean, like... But the main thing is that... You know, we've said from the beginning that the kind of cop uh, Jake wants to be is the kind of cop Holt was in the 70s. And he's refining that into, like, he wants Holt's skills and he wants his mentorship. And, like, if he's going to be solving a serial killer case, Holt is the best man to help him with that. Holt thinks in the same kind of burst of inspiration as him. And Holt has put away some really big name mm-hmm. killers. Jake used those lessons very, very well. And the amazing thing is that Holt probably felt subconsciously, but like immediately recognized that in Jake and wanted to and was really happy to see him succeeding. Which makes this like a perfect family storyline, because, you know, it's not at all secret that, that Holt is Jake's father figure. And this episode was like a rite of passage. Like Jake being able to do the thing that he admires about Holt. Holt, like, helping him along with it, taking him into his, like, confidences. Having a drink with him. Having a drink with your dad is very much a, wow, I'm an adult now kind of feeling. At least for a man, I think. Sitting around and, like, talking with my dad over drinks is, is a very meaningful thing for, for me. Without having a lot of seriousness forced on that interaction. Mm-hmm. And immediately, like, warped Jake's perception of what is good to drink. Which I extra appreciate because the, like, first alcohol I got into was port. 
And then I had to stop because, like, red wine makes me, like, violently hungover and super horrible. Port is fucking delicious, but... Well, it better be, um, given how it's made. It's fucking great. Um, it's, uh... I want some port. <laughs> I... I loved that Gino was like, oh, you're still drinking that? And he's like, well, yeah, I kind of love it. They're, they're portners. <laughs> no, Carl, it's too... Yes. You nailed it. They said it. Did you miss that? Oh, no, they did. When? Jake, what, like, when they met on the bench, Jake said portner, and Holt said portner without missing a beat. Holt, yes, Andy. They had, they had a silly in-joke. Oh, my God. Holt, Holt was, Holt was so much, so much in this episode. Like his yeah. his constant yes ending of Jake was terrific. And Jake paid it forward to Gina. Like there was so much mutual building up in this episode. Like these three people love each yeah. other. They really do. Like, this is a family unit. This is unbreakable. Like, I love Jake underlining. He's like, hey, childhood friend who I've known forever in love with all my heart. And I was like, aw, damn it, Jake. But it's true. I know. Also, like him, like, uh, aren't, you for, aren't you forgetting something in her action? Like, he has no idea what she's talking about. He's like, is it is it the thing? I gotta, uh, maybe, <laughs> kiss her on the forehead to leave. And she's like, no. Pay your bill. Not that thing. The normal being in society thing. <laughs> Do you? God, they're such siblings. So perfect. It's so great. I just love that so yeah. much. I love that forehead kiss. I love how fully gift it's being right now. Yeah. Like, it's a. Uh... It, it was, it was. It was a watershed moment. It's a delight. I love Jake's entire face. If there was an... It's too good for this world. Uh, okay, cinnamon roll. But like... What... If there were... If there were a way to give somebody an Emmy for doing great acting work in a comedy, as opposed to like comedic acting work in a comedy, Sandberg plays Jake so right in this episode. This is the Jake I want to see more of. Yeah, he's so... Uh, he likes his friend so much and like he's a good cop who wants to do his job even though he's not getting paid for it he like fucking puts his entire career like he's just like whatever this case would make me but whatever having Holt back at the precinct is better for everyone including me and like uh, and he doesn't sacrifice his like goofy self for it either fun but never deviates from being less irresponsible. <laughs> I, I I struggle with straight up labeling Jake as anything approaching responsible, but he did go into a like live weapon situation with no backup. Yeah. So less irresponsible, irresponsible is correct. <laughs> yes. He he's grown as a person. Seriously. That was still a rookie mistake. Um the Though I will say Holt doesn't look like he has backup in a lot of his flashbacks to catching criminal scenes. Holt was an, an irresponsible cop. Also true. Like, but still, I think my favorite thing in this episode is how relentlessly enthused Jake is about Rihanna's life. Uh, not how relentlessly enthused Jake is about Gina's life. Like, she's like, I'm taking a normal psychology class and everyone is obsessed with me. And he's like... 
smiling so big. He's like, yeah, they should be. And not just because you're weird. I love that Gina gives them the, like, criminal minds. <laughs> little, like, behavioral analysis run down there. It was great. What a great little moment. Gina would make an amazing criminal profiler. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. Oh, should we talk about Jake being like, Amy gave me the sticker for waking up? Oh, yeah, we totally should. That's a <laughs> great that. tactic. I agree. I love that Jake's like, oh, it's so hot. <laughs> I was like, you're perfect. <laughs> that, that's a weird line on his part, but like, he's with a woman who like, wants to take care of his emotions and isn't entirely sure how, but <laughs> that's a pretty canny move on Amy's part, or at least a move that demonstrates a pretty high emotional intelligence. I love that. Well, because Jake prefaces it by being like, I'm straight up depressed. Amy gave me a sticker for waking up. That's a good move. That's so... I can't get over how smart that is. Because, like, Jake is basically childish whimsy as a person. Mm -hmm. And stickers... I fucking love stickers. So, So, like, he loves the cheap gratification. And that is a good vehicle for him being told that, like, you know, you got out of bed... That's an accomplishment. You're getting better. Jesus. I just fucking loved this episode. I loved it so much. I feel like I can't even talk about it. I don't know. We also didn't plan. <laughs> so, fuck it. <laughs> I, I wonder if we'll see Garmin again. I think we, I think we might. Like I, think we, I think he might become an occasional recurring character. Because they've like, I mean, apparently over the summer they learned what a chief of detectives was. Which I can't throw shade. I don't know what a chief of detectives is, but like, if he's someone who's in charge of detective stuff, then they could have a lot of business with him. They at least have an ally against Wunsch now, and if they keep getting through these really high-profile cases, then he could be a very good um, conduit for career opportunities for the characters. I was actually exactly going that direction because I was going to say that I believe major in in the actual NYPD major crimes reports to the chief of directives detectives directly. I wonder. I hope we see the vulture again. I'm sure we'll see the vulture. I hope we again. see the vulture again this season. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see the vulture again this season. I I actually I think he will probably be involved in the in the. Last arc of the season. Dude, way to fucking read my mind. <laughs> we are so on level right now. That's amazing. I I have a feeling... I I have a feeling that... I, I don't think the Wunch stuff will be the season finale stuff again. Um, But I do think... The, no, I hope not. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm kind of ready for them to sort of let that go for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of letting stuff go for a while, yeah, we've been here for a while. Yeah, you're saying we should let each other go for a while. I'm saying that we should let the audience go to their rich and full lives. Hey, audience! If there's anything that we didn't cover that you want us to talk about, send us an ask. If you send us stuff that you want us to talk about, we'll probably answer it or talk about it in the next podcast. It'll be like the opening before. We, it'll be our pitter patter before we jump into Halloween three. Pitter-patter uh, word of the week? Yeah, maybe I'm just, like, really starved for rain. It doesn't rain here at all. Yeah, you and crops both. <laughs> that's that's how you joke about California, right? Totally. That's what I learned from the, from Mars. God, did you see The Martian? 
Yeah, I did see The Martian. Did you see uh, Crimson Peak? I did not see Crimson Peak. So let's talk about The Martian. It's marketed like a horror film, so I'm not going to see it. It's definitely not a horror film. That's cool. They shouldn't have marketed it that way. Now I'm not going to see it. Got it. Uh, it's a goth- I- the, ne- the next time I see a movie, it's going to be Sicario. Really? What the hell is that movie about? I don't even understand. I don't know. But a lot of people whose opinions I respect say it's the best film of the year, so I'm going to go see it. Wow. Man, I guess I yeah. should go see it. I was hearing somebody being like, I want to go see Sicario. I was like, why, though? I think, I think it's about Emily Blunt hunting a serial killer in northern Mexico in a kind of, like, magical realism dream landscape. Holy shit. That might be all but the things I But I might have made all of that up except for Emily Blunt. Fair enough. I feel like... I feel like... Let's watch a trailer together and then decide what it's about. After we finish recording? No, right now. She's on the podcast? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm going to YouTube. Okay. <laughs> uh... Shit, we left this recording. Uh, from both of us to all of you, this has been Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Sicario. <laughs> is it, though? No, it's not. That means Hitman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.